I don't know where to go next. Oh, this is like a I'm safe space. You can... right is it? No, no. Yeah, it is a safe space. Yeah, we love you. Come on. You can do it. Okay, um, cool. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Hi friends, welcome to the Metacast Roundtable by Navic. And today is a winter holiday special. We're going to be reviewing the year in deals. Anton Garodeski is here with us today. And also just discussing more informally all the highlights that we took away from 2022. So grab a cozy drink, get cozied up, and I hope you enjoy this more informal episode. So joining us in this Christmas special, Abhimanyu Kumar, co-founder of Navic, Anthony Pecorella, co-founder of Level Up Labs and Navic Consultant. I'll take a bit of a deep breath. Matt Dayan, lead <laughs> product manager at IEA and writer at Navic, and Anton Gorodeski, co-founder of Invest Game, that part is, partners with Navic and also head of industry relations at My Games. Hello. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Hey guys. Did every hey. did anyone bring some jingle bells or something? Wow. Uh, no jingle bells, no, but no. Uh, Anthony told us he had some props. Right. Oh, that's for later. That's for later. Okay, okay, okay. Spoilers. I have, I have a new switch shot. Uh, that's a company switch shot. Does that count as a as a prop for Christmas? This is okay. So my studio is called Industrial Toys. You can see it here, and then we've got tanks and soldiers and the studio logo. We're working on Battlefield nice. Mobile. If you didn't know, so that's very on brand for us. Uh, this is our ugly holiday sweater. Awesome. What, nice. what what does it look Looks like ugly. for the listeners? Mine is probably uglier. <laughs> oh yeah, for the listeners. Describe uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is this is exclusive content for the YouTube audience, but I'm going to try and translate for the podcast audience here. So, okay, we've got a green and red and white ugly holiday sweater. Uh, we've got like bands. Uh, you can look up the industrial toys logo online. It's kind of like a, a reticle or a crosshairs. And that's kind of like going across in rows. We've got tanks. We've got snowflakes. We've got soldiers. We've got the actual name of the studio. You can't really see it on camera, but there's like jets down here. There's a helicopter. Wow. It's very detailed and Man, very festive. <laughs> uh, Manu? Nice. Oh, um, mine is not as detailed as Matt's, but I'm glad I can finally <laughs> wear this thing after like one year of it just like lying around in my cupboard. But I got, um, so it's like a, yeah, it's, I guess the American flag color. So red, red, white, and blue. And uh, I got uh, some Santa Clauses and I think, yeah, these are reindeers, but they look like snowmen with like antlers, but reindeers and <laughs> then some Christmas trees and oh, and then I got the snowman also under the <laughs> reindeers. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, thank you. Um, thank you, the Metacast for uh, letting me wear this. <laughs> <laughs> once a year, once a year. Yes, once a year. My and, uh, my brother-in-laws are going to be like really happy. So <laughs> they gave me this. And we also promised everyone was going to have a beverage for the cozy beverage intro. What, what did everyone bring? I'm actually drinking water. 
because <laughs> I'm in the office. And as I have said previously to my ear, uh, I'm not really sure we're, we're allowed to drink alcohol at the <laughs> office. But I promise when, once we're done and I get home, I'll drink something for you guys. Um, I have a thermos of hot tea and a, a very small mug, um, so I can just like pour a little bit, and it's always the right temperature and doesn't like cool off. So um, that's how I drink. So I, I want to, I want to go through <laughs> this again. You have tea, okay, and a small mm-hmm. cup that you refill yep. over time to maintain perfect temperature. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The cup is, I don't know, just a couple ounces, um, sort of a shot glass with a handle. Um, um, it's a very European mug. coffee mug. Is it, yeah, I guess it's probably <laughs> supposed to be an espresso mug. Um, <laughs> I but, have uh, I have a very American coffee mug. It's messy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a soup bowl. <laughs> yeah, basically, soup basically. Bowl. Yeah, this, it's a little bit early where I am. It's like eight forty-five in the morning. Excuse me. So <laughs> I'm not drinking right now. I am having iced coffee, but in a giant Marvel Avengers coffee mug. Nice. Is it warm nice. there? Is it warm here? Um, I yeah. mean, it's relative. It's like it's probably like fifties Fahrenheit, six, maybe low sixties. So it's it's cold by Los Angeles standards, but it's not really that cold. But yeah, it seems like uh, I'm the only one who brought like some light alcohol to the party, <laughs> unless like hey. you know, <laughs> unless Anton has like vodka filled in that water bottle. But <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. We might get to know over the course of this hour. We might <laughs> yeah, get to know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, if, if I, you know, if I uh, sign off in the middle of the podcast, I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh yeah, no, I got this. Um, it's called like a radler. Uh, so it's like a beer um, with um, with like a lemon flavor in it. And I really like love these bottles because when you open them, then they make this like popping sound. But sometimes the bottles don't make the popping sound. So, I, so I'm going to like, you know, flip the coin now and let's yeah. see if oh, it makes Podcast the magic at work. Very fancy. Okay. It's very fancy. I'm actually. <gasps> hey! <laughs> All right. So awesome. cheers, guys. <laughs> cheers to cheers. 2022. That was so exciting. There's actually, there's actually another reason uh, I'm not having alcohol tonight. Um, at least on the podcast, because uh, yesterday we had our fireside gathering at the company and I mm. was one of the hosts for that. And hopefully <laughs> we, got to, we got to celebrate a little bit afterwards. So right. I'm not <laughs> really, There's already really, like enough, enough of alcohol in your bloodstream. Yeah. <laughs> You're ready for the pod. Okay. That's, that's only Wednesday. Come on. <laughs> well, yeah, what are you drinking? I brought an alcohol, alcohol zero stout beer no one is excited about my beverage okay let's move on (laughs) i've never tried i've never tried zero alcohol stout though yep that's also new to me never heard of that um well more interesting than my alcohol zero beer (laughs) so let's start by looking at the year in deals so invest game that was co-founded by Anton around mid-February next year is going to release the free report that you can download and review all of the details of 2022 in terms of deals, M&A, investment. And so, yeah, we're going to have a sneak peek today. Anton, well, do you have any yeah. leading insights in terms of number and value of the deals? Were they higher than previous years? Were they lower? 
Yeah, actually, um, the the there will be a sneak peek because I've asked the guys to check the database and uh, we already know the number of deals and the deal count for the fourth quarter uh, of 2022, which, as Maria has said, the actual report will be out sometime in the middle of February, right? The third quarter of the year was the first one with negative growth metrics in the blockchain-related investments. Even though the total number of deals continued to grow, the total uh, deal value was actually down uh, in the third quarter and is again down in the fourth quarter. So as I have just said, uh, it's a downward trend for pretty much every segment. We don't see currently any any upward trends, both in the deal count and in the in the deal value. So... All these macro, macroeconomic instability and rising interest rates and uh, other you know factors are all influencing the industry as a whole, as we all know, and the deal deal part of the industry as well. The one other the one other interesting trend uh, that might likely play out in twenty twenty three, and which is where you know VCs might um, feel good about you know, performing their duty of deploying the capital is probably going to be in the AI space. So, you know, after one like crypto gaming, blockchain gaming hype, uh, then, you know, into the next one uh, with AI. But yeah, let's see. I mean, um, I mean, it's still like a space I'm like looking into personally and, you know, just trying to see like what are like the different gaming solutions actually kind of getting built up because, uh, probably in the AI space uh, is also where, you know, these more picks and shovel layers for the gaming industry, um, that would be just be a better fit and like more solutions might be there. And that's also where like VCs generally prefer <laughs> to kind of put their bets uh, versus, you know, more content focused uh, companies. Um, so, so yeah, let's see. Let's see if uh, there's like an AI hype going to happen in 2023. Has everybody else's social media, like, uh, you know, has any has everybody else been seeing their social media flooded with this new AI trend? The chat, of, chat GPT lens pictures and stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that was yeah. crazy for some for I, a month. Definitely. I have yeah. a very good friend that is uh, a machine learning data scientist. He's absolutely amazing. And we actually caught up for breakfast the other day. And he was telling me all about how, yeah, we shouldn't really trust fully chat GPT and how he's managed to trick <laughs> it. And it gives, it, it does provide false information if you push for it. If it, it will never fill the gap by mm. saying, I don't know. It will always fill the gap with something. So yeah, it's just interesting to see how that plays out. I, I'm not, I, I'm not a VC. I, I'm not too close to it. And so I was just wondering, just because VCs have said, okay, I have this pot of money that I want to invest into blockchain. If we see a continue a continued downward trend in blockchain, if we don't see games reaching the market next year that bring success and, I don't know, re-inspire that segment, could VCs not decide to reallocate those funds to invest in something else? Yep, I think I think they could. Uh, they could definitely reallocate. But um, I also feel like some VCs just have a very strong thesis behind, you know, Web3 gaming and um, and the and the LPs that they kind of cater to with that are also kind of bought in to that thesis to to a good extent. So um, even if like uh, games don't release next year, which I think might not really happen, there'll probably be like 
a good chunk of new web3 games kind of coming out next year <clears throat> even if they don't release or if the games that are released are actually bad um i guess it just also depends on the vcs long term thesis for you know web3 gaming and whether they continue to like invest in either the companies that they already invested in extending the number of rounds or finding new companies that are still in line with their thesis so that also very much depends upon you know the the terms of those deals that they have entered into so it's not that easy i guess to just you know take the money uh you know write off the money and uh just drop the projects they have invested right. in and uh, as for ai i've recently read an article by Ben Thompson i believe uh who was um experimenting with uh was it chat gpt right uh which was uh making the home assignment for his daughter or something like that and um it uh so he asked to write an essay and uh it wrote a perfectly good essay in terms of the you know of the form of the text but which was com- completely wrong in terms of the you know of the very idea behind the the topic so that was a fun experiment and i've also recently um heard funny joke and i hope no no art no gaming artists will be offended by that but the biggest fear uh of you know of those people working with art in the gaming industry should not be the fact that ai can actually draw and create but that they never miss a deadline yeah that's oh. uh, that that's a uh, that's a real risk <laughs> yeah, not to find anyone about you know, missing deadlines <laughs> i um this is a, a slight aside but um in um film a lot of times before the uh the composer has had a chance to write the music the director will have um some like stand in music they use that's um you know roughly the the tone that they want and they often kind of like fall in love with that music and end up telling the composer just make something like that um i was i remember i was reading something with danny elfman and he he hates when that that happens um so just the other day my girlfriend was asked by her boss to write um part of a paper and he came in and he said um that he had put a prompt into chat deep gpt got it out and he gave it to her and said use this and and write something like this so like he was using chat gpt to give assignments so i mean yeah we're very much in that getting to that point where it's at least starting to come down from above to structure things based on whatever the ai has said That does sound like, you know, a new toy for investors like blockchain used to be back in 2021, maybe yeah, 21. Yeah, 21, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that the technology is bad or something, but um, you know, everybody is always looking for the next big thing uh to get out of the deal with, you know, with multiples. So that's yeah. that's the nature, you know, of venture. And uh I should probably also add that there's a peculiar trend we see which is when huge uh, strategic investors are buying medium and smaller studios sometimes people with experience working there are leaving the studios sometime after the acquisition due to several factors and one thing they do is they trying to you know uh do something on their own and maybe create a gaming studio or you know do something else 
with the with the experience they've got while working back there, and thus they uh, there are the VC funds which are, which are sitting on uh, huge amounts of dry powder, right? As we have previously discussed, and so thus more M and A's are leading to more uh, private investments, which will which is something that will also take probably place in two thousand twenty three. Anyway, long story short, yeah, generally optimistic about 2023. Things are still moving up and to the right, I think. Maybe a little bit slower, but generally optimistic. So so on that note of optimistic, uh, thank you, Anton, so much for sharing all those insights. Uh, again, mid-February, the report will be live for you to download. And we move on to, I think I'm going to coin it as our informal Metacast award ceremony where we're all Yay. going to bring yeah we're all going to bring <laughs> the first ever <laughs> our good highlight of the year our negative highlight of the year what we're deeming a unicorn award which we'll have to figure out by what people bring what it actually means and also a game of the year award okay nice is everyone ready yes manu you are so excited that nah, you should definitely take the first good highlight of 2022. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, what, what? Oh, so are we are we not starting with like uh, game game of the year, or we start with the best highlights? Do, do you want to start with game of the year? We can if you want. Oh, yeah, let's end. start with game of the year. Really? Okay, oh. okay, let's do it. All right. So, um, do we have any like awards music? No. <laughs> you can do a drum roll song. <laughs> All right. So my game of the year. Um <clears throat> it's a it's a it's a PC console title. Uh it's called Overcooked All You Can Eat. Uh okay, first of all, like, how, how many how many of you guys know this game? Yeah, I know that. You know it? Okay. Is it do, do you play with your uh, wife? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Overcooked, all you can eat. It's, I believe it's the second part, right, of the of the franchise. Yep. Uh, so there's Overcooked One, Overcooked Two, and then Overcooked All You Can Eat, which is oh. like a combination of one yeah. and two. So all the levels are in it, and it's um, it's like um, um, it's basically like a you know like a time management uh, game where uh, you are a chef in your um, in your different restaurants which are the different levels and yeah basically you have to like you know service uh you know your customers orders uh, as fast as possible the faster you serve them um the more points that you get uh but the reason it is uh my game of the year is because this is the only game that i can authentically have fun with with my wife like we both <laughs> play this together and we're both like slightly competitive uh people so you know uh we're always playing like you know uh one-on-one uh, -on -one games on this and it is super fun it's like the time to flow state is the shortest <laughs> you guys in this like, game for me so you guys screaming at each other sometimes for you know missing the missing the recipe or something like that Oh, oh, no, that's exactly why we don't play the co-op co mode. Oh, right. Because oh. we just like, scream at each other all the time. So. <laughs> We're always playing like one-on-one. So. Wow. So then it's only like, only... <laughs> I can I mean, go to the co-op is boring. Man. So I never heard that PvP is healthier for couples than, you know, co-op. <laughs> this is very interesting. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, di- different strokes or different folks, but um, but yeah, it yeah, this game, I'm I, I'm still like really shocked that you know there's no like mobile equivalent of this game. It is it is really so fun, and I could you know I could see like a like a uh, you know like a PvP version of this existing on mobile, and people just like going head to head and stuff. But um, but yeah, anyway, I, overcooked all you can eat. That's my game of the year. This, just, just like a small side note before we go to the next game of the year. But um, I also do know couples who like really enjoy co-op mode. Uh, but we, we we don't hang out with those couples. So. <laughs> 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 All right, Anthony, what is your game of the year? All right. Um, I actually, I have a few. I, I guess I cheated a little bit. But um, so the... I've got three. Um, so one of them is um, Power Wash Simulator. Um, I talked about my love for this game in an earlier podcast, and um, there's just something so like zen and peaceful about just spraying paint off of things with a power washer. Um, and I've sunk a lot of hours into very slowly cleaning a playground. Uh, and um, yeah, I think it was you know that type of game is something that. <laughs> we all could use in this year. And uh, I think that's part of the reason it resonated so well, but um, that was probably my, my PC game of the year Um, Mm. for a view into a very narrow, small uh, um, audience of, of super fans. um, My idol game game of the year um, is antimatter dimensions. The reality update Um, this antimatter dimensions is a game that was back in like 2018 and, um, was fantastic. And then they've been working on an update for the last four years and just launched it. And uh, you know, if you want to get into super nerdy number optimization, like it's got months and months of content uh, and they just did a really nice job with it. So wanted to call that out. Uh, and then my last one um, is uh, I couldn't not do a board game. Um, so I'm going to go oh, with Frostpunk. The props, um, oh, guys. The, uh, they did a Really nice. So Frostpunk is one of my favorite PC games. Um, they did a really nice job with it, uh, including building like a, I mean, this is oh, the damn. tower that's in the middle that provides the heat to the whole onion. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, it's, it's incredibly hard, but it's, it's beautiful. It takes up the whole table. It's um, uh, just what, a really what is it? Is it like a, is it like a worker, worker placement or? It's yeah, it's a worker placement, um, mm-hmm. and and more worker placement death. Um, it's yeah. your, uh, you know, early on, Got it. yeah, like one of the first things you need to do is like pass the law that allows you to use child labor, and then you start sending kids out to dig in the snow, and then they come back with frostbite. And it's a very oh, dark oh my game. God. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's from it's from the makers. The <laughs> it, it's from the makers of this war of mine, right? Hmm. I, I believe it is uh, from the sorry the remember. board game the the makers of the me. board game of this war of mine. Mm. Okay, cool. Got it. If if you had to pick one out of those three, which one would you pick, or are they all like equal? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'd probably give it to Power Wash Simulator. It's just oh. something that was kind of brand new, and yeah, so I'll go with that. Nice. Does it take Does it take long to to you know to fully play the Frostpunk board game? I mean, there are games which take like four hours and sometimes are played for for several days. Yeah, this, this is a three to four hour game. Yeah. All right. Mm. Yeah. I once played this horror of mine board game for seven hours. It depends how much the group Ooh. likes to discuss decisions because decisions could mean life or death. 
Yeah. I think I, the longest I've played is uh, three, three and a half hours. When, yeah. Oh, then don't play Twilight Imperium. Okay. <laughs> no. Like a 12, 12 hour game. All right, Matt, uh, what, what did you ring for us today? You all have much more patience with board games than I do. I don't have time for that. Uh, my my game of the wow. year was a little game <laughs> called. All right, that's yeah. Sorry, no, 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 no shots fired. Yeah, you no. just like oh yeah, I'm just like saying three board game enthusiasts over here. I like board games. I don't games. know if Anton. I like okay. board games. To be clear, I just want I just want to be clear. Like I just don't have the patience <laughs> we, to like okay, sit around we, we and do board games. Out. Three to four. Guys, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I can see you're very picky with your friends, man. You there's like clear objectives (laughs) they need to meet. Man, life is short. Life is short. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where to go next. This is a safe space. You can. Is it? No, no. Yeah, it is a safe space. Yeah, we love you. Come on, you can do it. Okay. Um. Cool. Well, with that out of the way, my game of the year was a little game called Tunic. Um, I wrote a Twitter thread about this game months ago. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it was like the best game of the year, but it was my personal game of the year because I discovered it at a time where I really needed it. Um, my my fiance at the time, now wife, had COVID. I was taking care of her, and then I got COVID, and so I had a lot of time to just like play games and be sick. And, um, this game is, if you haven't played it, it's very cute. It's very, um, it's kind of like a isometric camera, um, low poly, very kind of cutesy. You play a Fox in this kind of like woodsy, um, ruined world. And it's very much like classic Zelda games. Uh, in my opinion, it draws a lot of inspiration from those type of games. Uh, and what really got me is that it has this feature where it has like a game manual, kind of like you would get in the old physical cartridge games and you can flip through it and it's all in this like game language. So it's not translated. You have to kind of um, understand the messages through the images and it's slowly revealed over time. So you collect different pages of the manual in the game world and you're slowly filling in the information that you have. And so as you pick up these game pages, you learn about um, different abilities that your character can uh, can do in the game or different areas of the game or how to solve different puzzles. And it's just very reminiscent of the old days of like classic NES, Super Nintendo gaming, where you're looking at the manual for any hint uh, for the problem that you're stuck with. And I don't know, it just like really kind of checked a nostalgia box for me. And, and it was a game I needed at that time in my life. So I also listened to a podcast with the creator of the game. Uh, I think it was um, Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences did a podcast with the, the creator. It was really fascinating to hear his take on you know, how he approached developing the game. So highly recommend it. Um, it was on Game Pass for a while. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, would definitely encourage you all to check it out if you have not played it. I think it's on PlayStation now, so I definitely have to play it. That sounds great. Nice. Yeah, you if you still value my opinion game. after my hot takes on board games, you know, <laughs> this is this would be my recommendation. Aww. <laughs> I'm just checking out the gameplay on YouTube right now and reading the comments and everybody is so appreciative of this game. And apparently um very positive reviews on Steam, yeah. 
the fact that not a single word of this game is in a language anybody can comprehend, yet we all still manage to understand says a lot. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Definitely. Looks nice. Okay, then that. I don't know, Anton. Did so you Anton next? Did you have time to prepare mm. a game of the year? Sure, sure. I'll just be short, but I, I did have time. It's come on, we're talking about games, right? <laughs> uh, I'm a very casual gamer. Um unfortunately, and uh, I'm not the, the person to, you know, to even try Elden Ring, for example, because I know for sure that I will beat into hell and I don't have, unfortunately, any personal time to, you know, to s just sit and... Uh, how do Can you, you ask it? Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, keep, keep getting beaten up uh, by a single boss on a single location for 100 <laughs> For for a hundred, you're a happier uh, person for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So being a casual gamer, uh, I, I, I'm not going to surprise anyone. My game of the year is the game I currently play. It's God of War Ragnarok uh, on PlayStation Five, and uh, I'm a big fan of the franchise. I'm a big fan of you know Kratos. I'm a big fan fan of the that relationship vibe, uh, mm. the upbringing process of a of a of a child, of a teen, and I really like how uh, Atreus is now a teen and how he pisses off everybody, and uh, <laughs> just like teens do in real life. Um, so, of course, the second part of the of the you know of the new franchise, God of War, is has some Marvel vibes. Like everybody is there, everybody is always constantly helping you, and you know it's like. Avengers Assemble kind of <laughs> stuff, but I still love it. And it's amazing. It's an amazing game. It's, it's a awesome. strong pick. Yeah. For game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, I'm, I'm not going to surprise anyone. It's not that uh, I, I actually try to make time to play some not that AAA video games. I've, tr I've played um, Stray and I've also played this, uh, this Cult of the Lamp uh, game, which is also great. But just I, I, I'm a completionist type of gamer, you know, who has to complete every single side quest and find every single uh, chest in the game. And that's exactly what I do <laughs> in God of War. <laughs> and that's exactly the reason why every one of my friends has already finished God of War and I'm still play, playing it, even though it's uh, the end of the year and the game was out on November 9th and I bought it on the release and I still haven't finished it because first I don't really have time <laughs> and second <laughs> I'm trying to complete everything there is there but yeah. I, it just it's so good I'm just you play it for three four five hours and you're just walking around the the all the nine worlds and this is my nightmare <laughs> game I, I strongly considered it I um I've I have gotten so annoyed with Atreus that like until they put out a shut up Atreus patch I don't know if I can play it anymore really um <laughs> And, well, so the, the problem is, they, yeah. I mean, legitimately, so they've um, they've gone so far. Like, you you'll start a puzzle, and then Atreus will just tell you the answer. So, like, it takes oh, away wow. like much of the puzzle. Element. Yeah, and I understand. Like, they were trying oh, to make it okay. accessible, and the accessibility options in the game are incredible. I've never seen a game like just able to cater to whatever kind of challenges you have. Um, but yeah, they don't have a hint config. No, I'd, wow. I. I Work for them to add it, um, and I don't know how. Like, I mean, there's so many spoken lines of dialogue of these hints. Like, maybe it'd be really hard to go back and 
tag them all or something. I'm not sure, but um, it's it's a very common um, complaint that I see, and and really the only complaint I have about the whole game. But I feel like it takes away a, a large part of the enjoyment of just being able to enjoy those puzzles. Yeah, they're literally telling you in like in a minute if you do not uh, if you do not succeed in you know solving a puzzle, everybody, every sidekick is like. Just do this and go there. Yeah. Oh, it wow. makes me feel dumb. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Uncharted that has some kind of hint system, if I'm not wrong. Oh, I'm surprised they missed that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it will yes, go to my game of, the year, game of the year, which is a board game. Uh, it's ISS nice. Vanguard. Sorry, Matt. It's a board game. So how do That's I describe? Okay. How, can you play how, it? Can you play it in one day? How long have I played it? Uh, it's a legacy narrative co-op game, so it takes quite a lot of sessions to get through. In total, we've played mm. about twelve hours of it, I think. Oh, okay. How long yes. is one session? So it, it's divided into two loops. You have the ship management, and then you have the planetor- planetary exploration. And in the ship management, imagine the meta of an idle, an idle RPG game where you get characters, you upgrade them, you upgrade your ship, you do all of these things, you produce stuff, and you resolve drama. And then you have the actual exploration, which is when you land on a planet and you're discovering it, doing fights. And so each part of those sessions takes about, sorry, the exploration takes about two and two hours and the ship management is around uh, half an hour. What, 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 what do you like about it? It's just been such a long time since I've played a really well-balanced co-op game. Since Gloomhaven, I haven't found a game where everyone has to be really playing as a group and tactically and leaning into their character's uh, expertise. And then the balancing, Mm. it just goes down to the last round and just makes it an exciting play where you have to get everything right in the order and what you're doing to get off the planet. It's just very satisfying and Mm. a bit of an adrenaline rush, to be honest. That sounds fantastic. Yes, really good. And then the story is just beautiful. I love space operas, and this has all the ticks of a really good space opera. My my nice. one criticism of Frostpunk is that it's really just a, a one player game. Like they have co op, but it's um, there's not much like asymmetry. The different characters aren't really different, um, so you get some of that the co op of like kind of arguing back and forth about what you should do, but less of the roles that I, I like to see in, in co-op games. So that, that sounds fantastic. And now I'm going to have to go find it. <laughs> uh, it's really good. Honestly, I highly, highly recommend it. And then I, I'm looking forward to falling back in love with console next year. There was no game released this year for console that made me go, wow. And I'm just, I realize, and I've come to peace. I'm just tired of the known formula of open world, lots of side quests, you have to grind it. There's um, there's not a lot of gameplay discovery throughout the 80 hours I have to play, so I get bored fairly quickly. Yeah, Looking forward to people doing exciting new kinds of games. And then the games that are really are interesting, bro- like Elden Ring and Returnal, they're just too hard. I don't have the patience to just sit <laughs> there for hours trying to defeat one thing. I want to be productive in my sessions. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what completionist completion it means. Completion means <laughs> no. uh, when it comes to different types of gamers. Uh, I mean, there are PvP gamers and completionist types and some other types. There are many types. But uh, what, what, what completionist uh, gives you is that you feel productive. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> when don't you know. actually tick off, tick off those uh, side quests. It's not that productive. Productive, I guess. Yeah, different kinds <laughs> of productivity. You described yourself as a casual player. I definitely was not expecting God of War as your game of the year. <laughs> I was expecting like Candy Crush. I mean, I mean, casual, casual as That's in... That's what I was uh, expecting. No, I mean, casual as in not gonna spend 100 hours on a single Elden Ring boss. But like spend... some of my friends do. When, when I saw them playing Elden Ring and they got beaten up every single time for just entering a certain location, I was like, really? So when, are you, when do you expect to finish it? Next year? Okay, we have to get through these more quickly or else we're going to run out of time. Yeah. <laughs> Next award. Or not we, need, award. we need more vodka. Um, okay. <laughs> The good, the good highlight is that the one we want to go with next, or the unicorn, Manu? You're choosing. Oh, unicorn should be like at the end. I think that's like the big reveal. So. <laughs> okay, then the good. Uh, Matt. My best friend doesn't like board games. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll keep this quick since you know everyone has opinions right now. A little bit, okay. A little bit of inside baseball for the listeners. We have a notes document, right? And so normally when I prep for the podcast, I put all my notes in the document. My friends here on the podcast with me on the round table did not put their selections in the document. So everyone knows what I'm going to say, but I have no idea what everyone else is going to say. Uh, so anyways, so everyone I, knows. I, I, didn't, I didn't check the notes document, so I also don't know what you're going to say. So everything is like new to me. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, you'll appreciate this, Manu, because my good highlight for 2022 was Elden Ring and From oh, Software. Yes. Uh, so we've already talked about it a little bit. I know it's not mm-hmm. everyone's cup of tea, um, but to me, this game is just like an incredible achievement. Um, you know, I've been playing Dark Souls franchise for a long time now, um, and the way that they've been able to build up this, you know, cult following into and finally break through to a mass market with a game that, as we've talked about, is brutally difficult. It does not hold your hand at all. There's no instructions. There's no hints. There's no tutorials. It's like, go figure it out and die a bunch of times and keep coming back. And like, that's supposed to be fun. And so like, just the, the it's like an incredible achievement in my opinion. Um, so just, just a quick number here. As of last month, November, um, Elden Ring was at 17 and a half million units sold. Uh, and that is more than Dark Souls 3 and Sekiro combined. So huge success for this company. Uh, you know, premium box product. It's not a live service or anything. And I think they've only recently put in their like multiplayer arena, like Coliseum update. I haven't played it yet. Um, I actually never finished Elden Ring. Like I put easily 120 hours into it and never finished the story. Uh, I was too busy, like doing all the side quests. I'm kind of like Anton. I like to do like complete everything. Um, But uh, anyways, it's brutally difficult. It's unapologetic. And it was a massive mainstream success in spite of all those things. So that is my highlight of 2022. So shout out to From Software. To be honest with From Software, I'm so excited about Armored Core 6. I don't know anything about that game, but it's I know from software, so I'm like I'm on board. 
It's uh, yeah. it's it's a ten year after a ten year pause, I believe. It's a new part of the franchise, and the last mm. one was PlayStation Three. Um, mm. so I, I I haven't played a single game of that IP, but I'm I'm really excited after the Game yeah. Awards trailer. Looks amazing, and apparently they've said that it's not going to be that hard as the Souls like games of from software. It, it from the apparently. other. And also, one more thing about what Matt has said. Uh, I mean, when you're trying to complete everything on the map, and when Elden Ring does not give a single... Um, I'm trying to be polite here, but uh, when Elden Ring doesn't give you a single tip of where to go and how to finish yeah. the, the quest, this is another reason why I'm not playing this game. <laughs> Even the map is not accurate. Like, yeah. it, it's like, yeah, yeah. this is what the map is supposed to be, but through like narrative events, like this bridge is no longer existing or like this castle is ruined or whatever. Like it's not an accurate map either. Wow. I need to kick Atreus out of God of War and into Elden Ring. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, did you finish yeah. Elden Ring? I never no, finished it. Um, I, I... I was probably 120, 130 hours in, and I got sidetracked, like trying to do all the side quests and things like that. I never finished the main storyline. I always intended to go back. I will go back one day. I'll do a different build. Um, but no, I didn't finish it. Anthony, what was your best highlight? Uh, my highlight was the Steam Deck. Um, I think it really surprised everyone. Um, there was a lot of hesitation. The um, very earliest versions had a lot of bugs in them um, when it came out in early this year. Um, but at this point, it sold over a million units. Um, it may be more than that, but that's the number that we seem seem pretty comfortable quoting. Um, you know, very positive reviews all over. The price tag, I mean, you're getting, it's not a high-end gaming computer, but it is, it's a gaming computer for $399. Um, it... Uh, the tech behind it, their Proton compatibility layer that allows Windows games to run on Linux um, is pretty amazing uh, and a, a huge win for Linux fans. Um, you know, this as much as the Steam box just didn't work, I think Valve actually got it right here. They, um, they have the software to really make it work. It's now you're not limited to just Linux games. You get almost the whole library, um, at least of the, the modern ones. Um, they, uh, they've apparently been paying their open source developers who are working on it. So it's good to see them kind of like feeding back into the open source community. Uh, it's a very open system, um, which is also really nice to see. So, uh, you know, anyone can put their software on it. You can run, it actually has a full Linux desktop just running in it too. You can just push a button and bounce over to Linux. Uh, you can install Windows on it. Uh, Lars Dusay, who's been on a couple of the podcasts, uh, traveled a while back and just took a Steam Deck and installed Windows on it and used it as his PC while he was traveling. So I, I think it's just, it's fantastic hardware. It's really good software. Um, and it's sold well so far and, you know, largely limited by the just production you know, difficulties. Uh, so you know, I'm really excited to see where that goes and um, in particular to see if third-party manufacturers start to build their own versions of it um, because then we could get a lot more innovation. I don't think Valve is looking to make money on the Steam Deck as much as just, you know, get Steam into more and more hands. Uh, so, you know, they don't need to win on the hardware side. They're, it's in their best interest to do, you know, like Android, like Google did, and open it up and just get as many fantastic devices on it. So uh, that's, that's my good of the year. 
nice. And it also looks pretty good. I mean, I've um, I had so Thomas, who's uh, part of uh, our consulting team, um, he really wanted the Steam Deck, and but he's sitting in Australia, and they don't really ship there. So I so he shipped one to me, and then I had to like kind of like ship it to him, and I had to like open the box when I got it. So I saw it, and it looks pretty slick. Um, and yeah, now I have a little bit of Steam Deck FOMO. Uh, I might just like purchase one, <laughs> but but yeah. And the the dock works well as well. It's like very much like a Nintendo Switch. So I use that as my gaming on my computer or on my um, TV because uh, I can't reach my my gaming computer with it. And uh, mm-hmm. it, oh, no. I mean, it's still a little early, but it it works. I'm getting FOMO too. The only reason. Um... <laughs> you didn't, you didn't have I to, you something have to went wrong about. with the recording. <laughs> okay. You don't, really, you don't really have to care about FOMO because uh, I have Switch and I'm, I've never, I haven't used Switch in, in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. So when you get Steam Deck, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna use that for a month or so if you're like me, and then it's gonna be you know not used. Probably. Probably, probably. But, <laughs> well, I was supposed to. I was supposed to be using a Nintendo Switch uh, on on the plane, and uh, well, you know, uh, using the train or whatever. And I do not even do that now. Anton, this is mean. This is meant to be the positive section. You have to be positive here. I'm just. I'm yeah, just trying to go out and have vodka in that bottle that he has, man. Right. He's, he's actually drinking water. <laughs> even, even without the portability, like just getting a $300 gaming computer that you can hook up to a monitor yeah. is also something that's pretty much impossible to do, even if you're building your own off of Newegg. Like it's so. Um, I, I don't use it for portability as much as just having it as a useful computer I can carry around or put where I want. Okay. Manu, what what is your best highlight of the year? Uh, so my best uh, of twenty twenty two is is probably a name that has come up very often now, at least in the past month, uh, and it's it's Marvel Snap. So um, the reason, so okay, one disclaimer: I actually don't really enjoy the game. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's not like a it's not like a very fun game for me but the reason it's my best of 2022 is because i kind of find it to be um a game that will like push the free to play mobile industry in the right directions uh going forward so um i kind of see like if there were like three big trends that i feel will kind of play out over you know the next 3 to 4 years uh they would be uh, so games with or mobile free to play games with very high production values, then just an increasing um, increasing amount of IP infusion in in mobile games, and like there are just you know IDFA and like marketing related reasons uh, for all of that, but also just you know IPs want to be in games now, the IPs that don't even have games uh, their own, and the third is being cross platform from the get go. So. Yeah, so high production values, increase IP infusion and kind of being cross-platform from the get-go. I feel these three trends all culminate in Marvel Snap really, really well. And um, other developers kind of looking to, you know, uh, kind of build for 2023, 2024, 2025. uh, I think Marvel Snap is like one of these games that, you know, sets that bar for a lot of these uh, more higher end, maybe more on the AAA mobile free-to-play side of uh, developers. Um, Genshin Impact had like a similar um, 
um, impact <laughs> when it kind of came out. Um, and, you know, people like it really opened up, uh, I think, the Western developers eyes and minds towards um, how much of quality can be packed onto a mobile device. Uh, and, you know, and people and basically like I felt, you know, personally, a lot of the Western developers were just like asleep at the wheel on that regard. And then, you know, Mihoyo uh, uh, and now called Hoyoverse just kind of showed the world the technical marvel uh, with that. So, so yeah, I, I wouldn't like go into, you know, the whys behind any of these trends and all too much uh, just because yeah, we want to keep it short also. But, um, but yeah, that would be my best of 2022. Okay, Anton, how about you? I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be short, and I'm just gonna say that the best the best thing that has happened uh, to me in terms of the of the market and in terms of the industry is that um, the company I work for has successfully navigated all the all the things we had to deal with in 2022, and the the you know the new role and the new uh, the new direction that we have taken as a as a as a family as a team of uh, two thousand plus people, and the way that uh, I believe we're looking into two thousand twenty three with a little bit more optimism than we than we had during all this year is is probably the best thing that has happened to all of us. All right, Maria. Oh, uh, yes. So. My best highlight of the year is that cozy games are becoming a thing. In a previous episode, I... Ooh, yeah, Matt is also lifting his arms up in cheers. I already went through a bit of a, a long description as to why I'm very excited about this. So I'll, I won't go through it again. Anyway, who doesn't want a cozy game to feel good? And I think mm-hmm. something that excites me a lot is that I believe it would be a great genre for VR. Because I think VR with a headset, high action, fast paced games, it can be difficult to adapt to that kind of platform. And so who doesn't want to be immersed exploring a forest and petting tales of lots of cute little animals? Like sign me up for that. I, I, I will like to know how it's going to be monetized and how I could potentially explore a new way to monetize games because free to play monetization is definitely not cozy. Uh, I'm, the reason I'm so excited is because I considered putting Unpacking as one of my either best of or game of the year, but as actually it came out in 2021, um, ah, okay. so did not qualify. But yeah, big fan of that that take, Maria. Is is uh, is Tunic also like a cozy game or or not? I haven't played the cozy game ish. Like um, it's okay. it's very it's not like um, super stressful, but there is like combat and things like that. So I don't know if I'd call it exactly a cozy game. If you could pet the mm. fox's tail, I'd say yes, but you can't. So not the visual style of cozy games. Okay, now we go to the negative part. So this is a roller coaster. We go from positive, we go to negative, and then we're going to have the finale of the unicorn. So starting off, who wants to kick off the bad news? Who wants to be the downer? I can go first since you guys are already like on on the opposite (laughs) side of me here. Mine will be very quick, um, uh, to be clear. But um, uh, so I actually wrote about this back in August. And my topic for worst of 2022 is gaming layoffs. So back in Mm -hmm. August, I predicted that we would see more gaming layoffs. And sadly, that has come to pass. So it's maybe good news for startups that are looking for talent or people who want to go start up their own venture. 
Uh, I would encourage impacted workers to do so if they're in a you know financial situation to do that. But um, yeah, that was a bummer, and that was my worst of 2022. Yeah, like slightly related. Um, we kind of recognize the same on the newsletter side of it, so we just um, we made like the job board uh, free. Uh, so anyone listening and they want to like, you know, get their job featured on the newsletter, um, you know, uh, just check out, check out the newsletter, check out the job board and post over there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome on you. Yeah. I think this year made me go from, oh, I thought games was quite stable in terms of layoffs. and was more secure, but actually yeah, these corrections happen across the board. Okay. Next, next bad highlight. Thanks for kicking it off, Matt. <laughs> Manu? Yeah. Um, so it's going to be, yeah, so it's, it's a game act again. <laughs> uh, and um, and it's a mobile free-to-play one. I think my worst of 2022 is probably X-Hero. And <laughs> the reason I find it to be the worst of 2022 because um, it makes a lot of money. But it also represents like everything that I feel is wrong with mobile free-to-play. <laughs> and, you know, that's not really great. Um, and, um, yeah, the, 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 the things that I kind of find that it... Um, or the, the vibes that it puts out towards the industry is uh, you can make a lot of money by, you know, almost like duping... <laughs> players uh with a marketing strategy uh like that and also like just you know this like really crass bait and switch that happens in that game um <clears throat> so so yeah i guess uh i mean not not to like you know uh get too too much into the details of it uh we did talk about it in a previous podcast but um but yeah it it makes a lot of money and to me at least it uh, from a marketing strategy standpoint, from a game design standpoint, and this is more like a you know it's a personal take. I um, it's not no real objectivity to this, but for me at least, it uh, you know just represents how I wouldn't want the mobile free to play space to evolve <laughs> uh, in twenty twenty three and beyond. So yeah, you don't want to save the Doge. You weren't you weren't a fan of saving the Doge. <laughs> Have you seen the new art uh, that they apply to it in a separate game? <laughs> it's it's no Wait, longer it saving a Doge. It's no longer saving a Doge. It's now saving a really horrifying, scary face. Oh yeah, from yeah, yeah, flying. Yeah. Uh, they. <laughs> Yeah, is that uh, they did the app icon change, right? And it's just like this, yeah, that, yeah, a crazy, crazy uh, looking woman. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, even cute anymore. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's not even cute anymore. No more Doge. Yeah. No more Doge. Okay, I'll go to the next yeah, part. I would want to see like more Doge in mobile free to play also in 2023. So no more Doge is another point for everything that's wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I support more Doge games. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, my yeah, yeah. bad highlight of the year are the crypto pump and dumps and the collapse of Terra Luna and FTX. I think it really hurt the perception of blockchain even further because it wasn't great starting off apart from a small segment of people in the world. Uh, a lot of people lost quite a lot of money. And so, you know, that's always really harsh that you couldn't fully prevent that. And I think FTX brought crypto 
to a wider awareness of people and gamers that aren't always keeping up with the bleeding edge. And now I think that's not the great first foot forward into bringing that wider awareness. You know, my mom talks to me about FTX. That's how she got into knowing about crypto and following that that market. I think that will just hurt mainstream adoption further. I hope it recovers mm-hmm. and I hope it's just, you know, a small slump. But yeah, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Um yeah, I was saying, yeah, both both the FTX uh, collapse and the Terra Luna thing kind of hitting back to back has like really um from this like mass adoption perspective, it's it's really like taken crypto more broadly a few steps <laughs> back. And, uh, you know, like your mom uh, is kind of bringing it up with you. Um, even in my friend circle, you know, it's it's only negativity around crypto versus, you know, what the mood used to be uh, back in 2021. And people are actually excited about, you know, walking through all the UI UX headaches of setting up a wallet and you know they they were willing to do that um Anton what is your bad highlight of 2022 yeah uh, again I'm gonna be super short on this one so basically the worst thing that has happened is the eastern European part of the market and of the industry and the or the whole professional uh, community has been very much divided uh, since the beginning of the year. And the worst part for me was just seeing, you know, people who used to work together and communicate on the gaming events uh, and sharing the knowledge and the expertise were discussing some other stuff, right? Which which had pretty much no connection to the to the market, to the industry we all, we all love. I guess it's still happening, not as intensive as it used to be. Or maybe I just isolated myself from that. I don't know, but... Uh, the, the, the beginning and the middle of the year was all about that. And everybody had to, and uh, everybody had to deal with the consequences uh, instead of, you know, just making great games, experimenting with the genres and whatnot, and with the, you know, monetization model, whatever. And everybody just had to deal with the consequences and save the business uh, and try to, you know, save the, the people that work for the company uh, in all, in all kind in all, you know, terms of the word. So yeah, that would be the worst part. I just, I just hope that 2023 would be the way better year for the industry and for the people working there. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you a lot for sharing that. Anthony, last bad highlight before we move on back to happiness. All right. Um, so, uh, I mean, there's almost certainly some recency bias in this and that it was just a couple of days ago. Um, but uh, Epic Games was fined uh, $520 million by the FTC. Um, and it was split between uh, about half of that was for their in-store, in-game store and the refund system. So um, the complaints, they, apparently the um, they, at least according to the, the plaintiff um, or the FTC, uh, they ignored over a million user complaints about um, like inverted purchases and things not working. Um, it was very easy to make unauthorized purchases with a single button tap. Um, you know, and a variety of things that they just didn't um, really address until this past year when I think, you know, it's certainly too late. Um, and then the other half was for um, child privacy and safety. Um, they uh, early on employees apparently had requested that voice chat be opt in and they decided not to do that, which, you know, led to a lot of um, 
harassment of young you know, kids under the age of 13, um, or at least them having to be exposed to that. Um, they were asking for information from less than 13 year olds. They didn't always comply with requests to delete accounts and information. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's bad. Um, at the same time, you can see it as a good move in that the FTC is cracking down on it and, you know, making sure that companies like this, this is going to be an important precedent and kind of example. Um, a half a billion dollars is not a slap on the wrist, even for uh, Epic. Um, and so, I mean, hopefully other companies will start taking some of these issues more seriously, but, um, and, and somewhat to, I mean, I don't know if I want to give Epic credit for it, but you know, they, they accepted the settlement and the release that I saw, um, was not them. Like they didn't deny it as much as just said that they accepted it because they want to, um, move forward and be, you know, some of the best customer experience. So it feels like they at least have somewhat ad admitted to it and are working like within the last year, I've made a lot of changes to try to address it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, one of our, one of the biggest in the industry, um, having some pretty significant problems with privacy and safety. Yeah. Hopefully the solutions that they develop will become part of the platform as well. So that other game devs can integrate with their solutions. All right. Now we reach the unicorn awards. Nice. Finally, the unicorns. Who, I still don't quite know. Maria picked me first again. <laughs> I still don't quite know what this genre is. So yeah, we'll we'll see what each of us picked, and that will influence next year's it's, it's unicorn like, awards. It's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like you know better than the best. Also, like you know, just something that blew your mind completely in the, in <laughs> over twenty twenty two. <laughs> yeah, or at least um, for me it was I, like that but <laughs> I should probably go first then because mine wasn't as as amazing <laughs> <laughs> I, well I, I interpret it more as like a grab bag like pick a something that you want to give an award for um, but I didn't go for okay. the just amazing yes um, so I'll, I'll start it off and you guys can ramp up from there um, so uh, I, I picked um, best new genre and um, went with uh if we want to call them a horde em up or a horde survival or but the vampire survivors is the game that really kind of brought it into um light i was i was a little surprised mm. doing some research um uh, happy's survivor.io um actually predates um vampire survivors and uh, magic survival is a game that was from 2019 that both of those games are very very similar to so um mm, I, interesting much to my surprise vampire survivors did not invent that genre but um, they did have a tremendous amount of success and, um, you know, polished a lot of it and have continued to live service it and provide new content. Uh, and, you know, we've seen... When, when did Vampire, the Survivor Vampire Survivors go live? It was in uh, December 2021 um, and, you know, really started picking up in 2022. Um, okay. And they've estimated to have somewhere between 2 and 5 million sales, 98% positive on Steam, 86 Metacritic rating. Um, and then I was just looking for other games in the genre and all of these are early access and either very positive or overwhelming positive on Steam, which Runic Survivor, Brotato, Army of Ruin, Rogue Genesia, um, Bounty of One, Crimson Dawn, 20 Minutes Till Dawn. Like these are all directly inspired by that game. Um, and so it's a, uh, really a new genre that plays well on PC. It plays well on mobile, um, Survivor.io. I think they're happy's had some pretty good success with, um, mm -hmm. So uh, that was my kind of grab bag award was uh, best new genre. 
that's super interesting to know that uh, it like Habi did. I always thought Habi copied vampire survivors, but it doesn't. That doesn't seem to be the case. We we can check the data on it, but um, I was looking at Sensor Tower, and it looked like they their earliest versions were from 2020, like in mm. test markets. It, it may have changed a lot since then. Um, so don't mm. quote me as much on that one. But Magic Survival definitely was from 2019 and, and predated mm. both of those. All right, Anton, do you have a unicorn? Um, I'm not sure whether this can be actually described as the unicorn award, but um, I was thinking about two things. Uh, the first one is the game that I have already mentioned today, which is Call of the Lamb. And this is a unicorn because I would uh, I would describe the unicorn you know, the unicorn here as the eh, game because uh, on one hand it's a it's a great game with, with with great visuals and the very great ideas behind it, like uh, in terms of the gameplay, in terms of you know the the setting, right? I mean, if you haven't played it, it's basically about a small um, lamb who was sacrificed in the forest by some evil forces, and uh, the devil resurrects him to create a cult of all the cartoonish. Um, animals living in the forest, like rabbits and foxes and whatnot. And so you have to, there are basically two, two things you can do in the game with the first one being, uh, handling your camp, your cult. You have to build stuff. You have to maintain stuff. You have to take care of the cult members. You have to bury them if they die or you have to, you know, clean up uh, after them. You have to feed them. And uh, there may be heretics, and you have to deal with heretics as well. You may take them to prison. You, it's a very fun game. It's a very fun game. Uh, Matt, I promise I didn't look at the notes. What is your unicorn of the year? Yeah, okay, okay, sure. Uh, so my, my unicorn award, um, initially I was going to put Elden Ring here, but I put that as my best of. So I went with one that I thought was a huge overachievement, and that is Wordle. Um, so Wordle Ooh. came out of nowhere and then suddenly it was everywhere and everyone was playing it and, uh, it just was like insanely popular and insanely simple. Um, you know, really simple word. That's game. a good um, one. It was, uh, it was acquired at the height of its popularity by New York times for quote, um, the low seven figures. So a nice exit for the creator. And uh, by the way, the, the guy who created it, his name is Josh Wardle. He was the same developer or product manager as Reddit Place, which I think is a really interesting sort of social experiment that I've written about in the past for Novik. Definitely check that out if you're not familiar with it. And so I'll just leave you with um, sort of... A, he's, done, he's done like a few like... Uh, of these games, right? He, I, he kind of has I this knack so. of like creating these like super uh, concise like game experiences, but they're always viral, right? Yeah, I, I, uh, I there are other examples. I, I didn't didn't write mm. them down, but um, there are definitely others. And I think he he created this, if I'm not mistaken, like for his partner. Uh, like they mm -hmm. like to do puzzles together, and this was just something he kind of threw together for the two of them to play, mm. which I think is right. really really sweet. Um, yeah. So just to kind of like give you all and give the listeners like uh, a taste of like the cultural impact that this game had. I was looking at an article that had a list of the spin-off games that were inspired by Wordle. And I'm sure you all have seen some by, by this point there. It's like a huge list, but some of the highlights for me, 
There was one called Worldle, which is you guess the country from a silhouette. There's Hurdle, where you're guessing a song from a snippet. Uh, there's Wordolly, which is Wordle plus Dolly. You're guessing the prompt from a Dolly-generated image. There was uh, Pertle, which is named after Jakob Pertle, who's an NBA player. So you're guessing NBA players. Shout out to my fellow NBA nerds. There's Hexadecordal, which is six, 16 words. And there's about That's like crazy. 50 other ones too. So uh, there's you just Google it, like Wordle spinoffs. There's so many of them. Um, so shout out to Wordle. Uh, Matt, what's your NBA team? Uh, that's an easy one. My NBA team is the Boston Celtics, the greatest sports franchise in North American professional sporting history with 17 championships. You can see <laughs> lots of memorabilia behind me, Celtics memorabilia. So I'm outing myself to the entire Novic audience. I'm a Celtics <laughs> fan, even though I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. They are oh, the best. Wow. You, you live in the lane. Why, why not Lakers? Because the Lakers suck. Oh, I mean, come on. There's, <laughs> first of all, there are no lakes in Los Angeles. Let me be clear. There are no lakes in Los Angeles. Oh, all right. They, 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 you know, they adopted the Minneapolis Lakers championships for their own. My wife is a That's Lakers a fan, by the way. So she's probably listening oh. through the door, like shaking her head. But um, anyways, I, I'm not shy about this, as you can tell. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time that they won a championship? The Celtics or the Lakers? Yeah, the Celtics. Uh, I believe it was 2008, 2007, 2008. Oh, that's, that's been But a they were in the finals last year. Oh. And they kind of blew it. But um, hopefully this year. Okay, we'll go to mine. I will leave Manu's unicorn to the last because he's clearly the most excited member of this roundtable with these awards. No, okay. Yes, yes. You're going <laughs> to be wrapping up the show. Okay, my beer, unicorn was Crafton. Because it's been a really long time since I've fallen in love with a company that and what they're building. And I remember just doing the research and then I stayed up until like 2 a.m. because I wanted to keep going down the rabbit hole. So they're just making so many cool games and I want to play them all. I know that Callisto Protocol has some issues with it and I would love to play it. But I heard that it's actually really scary. And so I can't. Um But yeah, maybe one day I'll grow strong enough. Yeah, I saw the trailer of that and then I stopped myself from downloading it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't handle it. <laughs> but like, all about how they're trying to become and build the groundwork of going cross-platform and being a multi-IP house and how they're investing a lot in tech-adjacent industries, also exploring hyper-realistic humans and all that they're doing in terms of PUBG live ops and brand crossover. It's just so exciting, and I can't wait to play a dark fantasy RPG. Because I think fantasy games can be just a bit too happy. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that. Yeah, Crafton. I was just going to say, I think it's going to be a big year for Crafton. I wrote about them for yeah. Novic Digest recently, and I think Callisto Protocol maybe like didn't do that well. I haven't looked at the numbers. I think like it's a good game, but like from a sales perspective, I don't think it's like blowing anyone away and as you point out maria they need to develop other ips like they can't rely on PUBG forever um especially when the biggest PUBG game is split with tencent uh and so they're not really capturing all the profits that they could be otherwise um so i think it's a really interesting company and they may get i'm this i have no data to support this but my sort of hunch is that they may get more involved in blockchain than they already are and try and you know, snatch up some companies mm -hmm. there, but I think it'll be a big year for Crafton coming up. It's crucial whether it goes well or not. We'll see, but 
it's important that they get it right. I think they made a partnership with Solana. Do you think FTX could potentially hurt their investment that they're getting into? I couldn't find too many details about it. It's possible. I, I don't know the details of it either, but I do do know that they had some sort of deal with Solana Labs. Um, yeah, I don't know. All the Solana games are kind of in a weaker position because of FTX. All right, Manu, wrap us up <clears throat> like a little present. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is a, this is a happy unicorn, no Anton unicorn, but uh, <laughs> this one is called uh, or not called, but uh, my unicorn of 2022 is actually uh, Stumble Guys, um, because I think I think the story of uh, Stumble Guys is really like a story. It's a two and a half year story actually until they you know sold to uh, Scopely, uh, but it's really a story of a team that you know, recognized an opportunity very quickly um, and then kind of rose to that occasion and then kind of made the most of that opportunity uh, over two and a half years. And we saw the pinnacle of that once they got kind of uh, when they sold to Scopely. So yeah, so like some interesting highlights about this game. Um, so yeah, I guess we have previously also like, you know, talked about, uh, you know, when they launched um, and, um, and, you know, um, when Fall Guys launched, that was kind of the part, just that six-week production timeline very quickly after launching Fall Guys was kind of the part that um, that's the recognizing the opportunity part. Um, and this was pretty interesting just because of, you know, um, they immediately kind of filling a gap on the store uh, where uh, everyone was kind of searching for Fall Guys mobile, but, you know, we're basically landing on Stumble Guys. Um, <clears throat> one very interesting thing that uh, we kind of found in our research was if you actually check the APK of uh, of uh, of Stumble Guys, the original name of the game was actually Fall Buddies. Uh, so <laughs> the APK actually says like Fall Buddies dot, you know, whatever APK code. Um, but, but yeah, and... And also, like another interesting thing is this whole Scopely acquisition uh, part of things. This is actually not something new to that team. They've actually, they've first of all, this is a team that's been working together for a very long time, but they've done it twice already in the past. So they sold um, Skidstorm to Cheetah Mobile, and then like eventually sold also Boom Carts uh, to FingerSoft in 2021. And then this whole like you know, stumble guys and then the Scopely thing. So it was just like interesting to kind of uh, go through their story and see like, you know, the small four to six person team have just see so much of success because, you know, um, they recognized an opportunity, they rose to the occasion, worked super hard and kept improving the game and eventually, you know, sold it to Scopely. So um in stark contrast to, you know, everything like X Hero, which is everything that is wrong with mobile free to play. I kind of like to salute the Stumble Guys team uh, quite a bit, even though, okay, sure, it's a copy of Fall Guys, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's about that recognition of the market and, and jumping onto it quickly, yeah. going quick to market. Yeah, wow, I, I didn't realize I had done it before. Yep. That's, yeah, that's very interesting. It's being a hard hitting team that knows each other very well. Curious to get to know them. Yep. And uh, yeah, and almost feels like a, you know, like an internal strategy of uh, theirs. <laughs> build the game and, then, and yeah. then sell it and then build the next one. Okay. We're going to wrap up. This was our longest roundtable ever because it's a holiday special. And yeah, does anyone have any last words before we close up 
the Santa shop. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. <laughs> Go Celtics. Go Celtics, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm always appreciative uh, of the people that listen to the podcast and, and care about what we have to say and read the newsletter. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm always appreciative of that. So thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Yep, definitely. And yeah, I mean, 2022 like really went by so fast. And uh, but yeah, really looking forward to 2023. Um, I, I, yeah, I'll be becoming a dad in March. So I'll Aww. probably not be around on the podcast for, for some time. But Congrats. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to 2023 for, you know, uh, more than work reasons also. So <laughs> yeah, and just to highlight what Matt said, Always very appreciative, everyone who listens. I know we can't get to know each other always, you know, it's this whole content creation online. But if you were ever in conferences and around and you want to meet, send a message to any of us. It's always good to get to know each other, even though you do most of the listening and we do we do the talking, like to turn the tables around. So, yeah, have a good holiday, everyone. Definitely. If you are going to celebrate Christmas, have a good Christmas. And we'll pick up again, I believe, in the second week of January because we're going to take a little break. All right. All right. Thank happy you. Happy holidays. Happy, happy holidays. holidays. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Also, happy Hanukkah. I know it's Hanukkah right now. Yes. <laughs> we <laughs> also celebrate. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Big Hanukkah feast oh, yeah. coming up in the Dion household yeah. very soon. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy all the holidays, everyone. See you next year.